Welcome to the Particle Podcast where we talk about science and the people who just love it. My name is Rose and I am so bad at interpreting the weather that my washing almost always gets wet in the rain. Luckily, people like Jim Richardson are here to help. Jim is a maths nerd and forecasting whiz who works at the Bureau of Meteorology. We had a chat about naming cyclones and his favourite equations. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Thanks very much, Rose. Good to be here. So, the first question I always need to ask is, what do you actually do? (laughs) Um, So, I work for the Bureau of Meteorology. Um, So, most of my background there is weather forecasting. So, lots of different areas in weather forecasting, kind of more than I would have thought before I joined the Bureau. So we have people that work doing aviation forecasts. We have public weather forecasts as well. Um, And we also have forecasts for industry as well. So a lot of that sort of Northwest shelf in WA and and parts of Queensland have um, specific forecasts for their sort of operations in, in those areas too. So yeah, lots of different areas. So most of my background is is in forecasting, um, but recently I've been doing a, a bit more sort of project work on those uh, energy and resources um, areas that I mentioned before. Why do those areas need different forecasts? Uh, yeah, so I guess a lot of the um, operations are offshore from the Pilbara, so um, they're impacted by uh, winds and seas. Um, sometimes if the the seas and the waves are too high, they won't be able to complete various operations. And I guess the elephant in the room is the tropical cyclones as well. That's probably the, the major oh. um, <laughs> major impact yep. um, for them. <laughs> so, you know, high winds, high seas. Yeah, it can, it, it, it can mean that they, they'll need to um, act accordingly and, you know, potentially evacuate and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's also a bit of a safety issue as well. Yeah, okay. It's definitely different needs perhaps to just your local Perth weather. Yeah, exactly. And and also even even up there it's 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 a little bit different as well. Often in in the public we're most interested in the wind. You know, most people live on the land, so they care about the wind and and they they'll care about the coastal sort mm. of impacts as well, but they won't really care if somewhere offshore gets up to um, you know, 5 meters or something. That's not really sort of yeah, that's more sort of industry, I guess. So yeah, different different needs means different forecasts and yeah. kind of more specific forecasts as well. The other thing we do for them, which I find pretty interesting, is um, like long period swells as well. Um, so if you look on the public weather forecast, there'll be a seas and there'll be a swell in, in the coastal waters, but we do like a much more detailed version of that. So we'll, we'll have like three or four different long period swells. So these are really interesting because they're generated like really far away. They're generated down, you know, in Africa, like near Africa oh. by weather systems down there. Um, and then they move all the way up, you know, to the northeast, up to the Pilbara and affect people's operations there. So we'll actually separate them out into, you know, there's this swell, there's this swell that, that comes through on the, at this time from this system three days ago and then there's there's at the same time there's like three other different (laughs) swell trains so very very specific kind of long period stuff which is actually really interesting i just this is going to be probably the most basic question you can ask but how does forecasting actually work like how do you know 
that there's those deep swells all the way offshore like how does it how does it work yeah it's a good question um so though that's those swells in particular that's kind of like a met met cause type thing so we we know about them from science and from physics and stuff like that our job ultimately is to produce a forecast um the tools we have to do that are um more like numerical uh, model guidance so we have weather models that um we tell it what the observations are it knows how physics works so it it runs forward with you know general uh, mm-hmm. physics rules um to create winds and stuff like that and then from that we we get out sort of uh, some guidance on what might what might be happening when i was first learning it it was very difficult because i, I <laughs> a lot of the people teaching me were just like yeah you, you just just put that in <laughs> just put this in and and it was um that was one of the things that I was most surprised about with forecasting is that it's very scientific but the reason humans are good at it is is this pattern recognition you can't always explain what the pattern recognition is you just the difference between an experienced forecaster and a non-experienced forecaster is just they've seen more of these patterns and they can recognize them but they can't always say um you know this is this is the <laughs> the reason behind what what I'm doing this um I, I i had one example actually where i was i was doing aviation forecasting so i had a night shift and had some showers forecast for an airport and i said oh look i think they're going to come in um at this time and had all these reasons why I thought that <laughs> I'd looked at the radar you know I timed it on the radar and I'd, I'd um timed it on the, the weather guidance as well and the experience forecast was like oh it'll probably be in a few hours later than that and like he'd, he'd like just looked at the loop and that's it um and and he ended up being right but like it was just funny because I had all these reasons why he'd, and he didn't have any reasons other than he, that, he's, he's just seen that pattern and it just yeah it's probably going to be a few hours later so yeah it's 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 interesting how it works like that that's crazy that's interesting because one of the questions that we wanted to ask was like could a computer do your job but you've kind of answered that there's something human in interpreting it uh yes yeah, yes and no um i guess it kind of depends uh how good a job you want it to do so okay. the computer does a pretty good job and then we kind of put the finishing touches on it, I guess. The other area that's pretty interesting is um, machine learning. So I think that's that's sort mm. of getting a machine to do what I've talked about. So we're quite good at pattern recognition, but so is, so is machine learning. So you, you get an algorithm and you give it a bunch of data, a bunch of different patterns from years and years of data, and then you you give it the numerical guidance, you give it the current observations, and then you let let it make a forecast. So, yeah, I think that's that's probably going to be uh, improved models and improved machine learning is probably going to be the future. Are you worried that a robot's going to take your job? <laughs> uh, I think I'd be lying if I said no. I think every <laughs> every person in the bureau has thought about that yeah. for sure. Um, I think it's probably more of a transition to communication Uh, I think there's I think there's still a lot of work to be done with communication so basically we've got the forecast and now we're explaining what that means to people so 
yeah, there's there's a lot of different people that use the forecast for a lot of different reasons and they're interested in different thresholds and stuff like that. So giving them briefings on that and then also communicating the uncertainty as well. That's probably, uh, I think with forecasting, there's always going to be uncertainty. So being able to communicate that's probably what, what our jobs will be at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes if it's, you know, a particularly severe weather event, maybe it's better to hear that information from a person rather than an AI. Yeah, exactly. I think I think people, um, what we've seen with, because we've already kind of started doing this a little bit, but what we've seen is that companies and clients, um, so we do work for, you know, emergency services as well. We have a met in those offices giving them briefings um, and it's, uh, they like having the same person so they can build that relationship um, and they, they like mm. seeing them face to face. So um, there's a lot of humans, you know, communicate with facial expressions a lot, um, not just sort of voice. So having that trust with, with someone like that, um, yeah, it's definitely important. So you didn't actually go like study to become a forecaster. What was your background in before you went into BOM? Uh, yeah, so I did a, uh, I've always kind of been interested in science. Um, so started out uh, doing a j- just sort of general science first year at uni. Mm-hmm. And then I got pretty interested in mathematics. So uh, started doing mathematics, kind of gradually um, <laughs> dropped the other courses I was doing until my last year was all mathematics and then that's wild that is a lot of math <laughs> and then <laughs> doubled down so did a <laughs> math honors and then did a math masters um oh so <laughs> got right into it um <laughs> and then You're a it, big nerd <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm yeah <laughs> guilty as charged um but yeah so and then kind of at some point in my masters um I had a bit of a realization that the stuff I was doing is really cool. There's a, there's a whole world of pure maths, which is amazing. But Jumping in to explain for a second. So pure maths is not motivated by application. It's kind of a little bit more theoretical, kind of a little bit more big picture, testing stuff out. Sometimes it might have application later on, but that's not the intention of studying pure maths. Going down that path is very there's a lot of very smart people that you have to compete with. And, uh, and also just, I was, I was sitting, I remember sitting in a room with like five other people listening to a lecture and just being like, I wonder how many people like understand this stuff. Like not that it's difficult, but just that it's obscure. Like, <laughs> So I just wanted um, something a bit more practical that I could, it's just hard because you can't talk to your friends or family about what you're doing. Yeah. You'll just be like, yeah, it's, it's really cool. But like, you know, I can't, I can't talk to people about it. So, um, yeah, I wanted to do something a bit more practical. So I was, yeah, uh, I guess I got into weather forecasting from there. Yeah. Cause what kind of jobs do people, what opportunities are open to someone who studies maths at that level? Maths is good in that you can sell yourself. (laughs) It's broad enough that you can like get a lot of different jobs if that makes sense like okay. if you do like a law degree you can you can only really be a lawyer whereas if you you do a math degree you can you can kind of argue that you're a, you're a data analyst so you can get a lot of different sort of data analyst mm. jobs so i did a few different jobs after my masters 
I worked for um, a university doing fisheries research, worked for a travel insurance company, sort of setting, you know, how do you set premiums and stuff like that. Um, so that's all kind of data analysis type stuff. So yeah, you, you can do a lot of different stuff. Um, unfortunately, the the pure math aspect of it probably wasn't that useful. I think if I'd done applied math, I would have learnt some programming skills and some practical math. So I had to kind of learn that on the job rather than, um, you know, doing a course on it. So, <laughs> but, but I got by anyway, so. Do many people study it? Um, no. Yeah, <laughs> short, so. short answer. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not super useful other than like, so yeah, it, sorry, it is useful, but it's just useful way down the line. Yeah. So for example, like the, some of the stuff like encryption, it uses number theory, which is a really abstract area. Mm-hmm. And it uses number theory stuff from 10 years ago or whatever, but yeah, it was, it was like cutting edge, pure math proof, never going to be useful. And now it's, it's suddenly like essential for, um, you know, encryption stuff. So it does, it does like end up sometimes being very useful, but yeah, I I don't think that's why people do it. People do it because they love it. What inspired you? to pick forecasting to get into forecasting um so uh, yeah good question um i remember my dad was like when i was um in uni he was like yeah you should you should get a job with bomb and i was like yeah what yeah i was like yeah whatever dad and then like (laughs) however many years later i ended up doing that but i i so i was reading um this book called the signal and the noise which is um by nate silver so that talks about predictions and why they go wrong and you've basically got noise which is just kind of like white noise in your data and then you've got the signal which is what you're interested in and if they're combined it's it's can be quite hard to separate the two um so you can end up sort of what's called overfitting and and finding patterns where there are no patterns and stuff but he has a chapter on on weather forecasting in that and um, was basically saying that people working in a team do a better job than just the, the raw model guidance, which I thought was, it's kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. So yeah. I found that pretty interesting. It seemed like a, a good mix of science and mathematics, as well as like communication and, and um, you know, teamwork and stuff. So I, I liked that aspect of it. So yeah, I applied for it and, and he, here we are. Yeah. So so cool was it hard to make the transition was there a lot to learn i was lucky because uh (laughs) we had part of like so i guess the way it works is um you do like a year of learning the science of forecasting so it's basically like going going to uni for a year and getting paid to do it which is amazing and we had some pretty math heavy stuff in that but that that had been my bread and butter for ages so I i was quite lucky in that it was your moment to shine yeah <laughs> i was quite happy with most of that stuff and and the rest of it was kind of physics and um, meteorology which is quite quite interesting to me anyway so that was um awesome uh the forecasting itself was like a bit difficult to adjust to for sure it's I th- but i think everyone kind of has that when they first start like you don't kind of realize how difficult it is um there's a lot of skills there that you wouldn't expect like i guess weather watching is one skill where you 
you you've just got to be watching what's happening all the time. How are you watching it? Like, what are you looking out a window? <laughs> like, how does that work? It it's basically like we, so we've got a number of tools to like help us with that. So you might have like a satellite loop just showing you what's happening. You've got for aviation, you've got um, cloud and visibility meters. So um, for example, if you're expecting a fog at an airport, you might see the visibility meter drop a little bit. So you've just got to keep an eye on that. Um, you know, if you don't have a fog on your forecast and that's starting to happen, then you need to, you know, amend your forecast and stuff like that. So at, at the same time, you've got to do, you know, new forecasts. So about like, I guess balancing that and time management is like um, something that's, yeah, can be pretty difficult to learn. What do you wish people knew about your job? What kind of, I don't know, maybe misconceptions people hold about either working at BOM or being a forecaster? I think a lot of people, um, the <laughs> the forecast will be wrong and they'll, they'll yeah. say, oh, <laughs> what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a few things there. Um, one is uh, often it's, like when we say a hundred percent chance of rain, um, we're kind of covering the whole day. So ah. it's it might be that it rains in the early morning, or it's going to rain, you know, that night. So we'll have a hundred percent on, but people will wake up and it's it's sunny, and they're like, oh, can't can't even can't even get that right. Um, <laughs> so that's and we kind of deal with that in like a there's a fully worded version of the forecast where we'll write a little like yes, um, sunny morning, but showers later on in the evening yeah. or whatever. But people will just look at the one number um, and maybe not even num- the number, just the icon. So just like a cloud yeah. with rain yeah, coming like out of it. And they'll just be like, that's not <laughs> that's not what's happening. So I guess that aspect of it. And uh, yeah, I, that's probably the main thing, to be honest. I think, I think the other thing people do is um, if it's, say, like, uh, 80%, <laughs> they'll, they'll be like, oh, it's definitely going to rain. Um, if it's 20%, they'll think it's definitely not going to rain. Um, 80, 80% means like, means exactly what it says. It's 80%. This actually leads so well into the next section, which is of course, some weird and wonderful questions from the rest of the particle team. Because one of the questions that uh, one of my coworkers wanted to ask was, do people text you and say, what's the weather? Uh, like friends and stuff. Yeah. 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 All the time. Yeah. So one, so last weekend, um, my friend was like going to go hiking down south and I was like, oh, it's probably going to be rainy. And then she sent me a picture of like it being sunny and, um, <laughs> and just like, what the hell's going on? And I was like, well, yeah, but that's not like you're in Perth, like you were going down south. It's like two different places. So I sent her back a picture of um the radar, like a screenshot <laughs> of the radar and just be like, well, yeah, it still looks pretty rainy down there. So yeah, pe- people ask me all the time. Yeah. And um, I, I'm often like not, the, the other, I guess, misconception is like a weather forecaster knows what's happening with the weather all the time. And oh. if it's our day off, like <laughs> we're not know. looking, at, we're not looking at the weather at all. Don't so don't tell me. I don't want to. Know. I probably know less than like the average person about what's happening. So if there's pure maths, 
is there unpure maths? So that's probably what's um, known as applied maths. Oh, so yeah, so like pure maths is maths like um, for the sake of doing maths. So it's <laughs> it's, it's discovering things. Um, it's very much like in the structure of math. Applied math is discovering yeah. something about our world. So you know areas of physics you could argue is applied math and um statistics and stuff like that it's it's something with some application to the real world so yeah there, there's it's not to say there's no like in like interaction between them oh. you know it's a bit of a fuzzy boundary but yeah that's generally the idea huh oh that's so satisfying to know <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> are there particular forecasters that are deemed better than others is there like good forecasters and bad forecasters or ones that you idolize ones you're like oh don't trust him (laughs) uh generally like the longer you've been doing it the um better you are so because you've seen more of those patterns because it's all about pattern recognition so we have like the senior forecaster it's called the spock (laughs) for for all the star trek fans (laughs) out there um yeah so like there's a spot who kind of oversees everything and then yeah there's the different kind of areas that i talked about like the aviation people and the you know public weather people and stuff so if if i'm on the aviation desk and i'm gonna make a major decision like put fog on you know perth airport or something i'll probably talk to the spock about it um and and the spock will have some some opinion (laughs) on it but it's it's nice to just be able to talk to someone that has that experience. Is there a weather event that you'd really like to get to forecast? Yeah, uh, well, we had, so we had a, um, I think it was in May, we had, well, it's pretty interesting, like, so tropical cyclone Munger, so really, really late season cyclone, and then kind of like a a front came through at the same you know at the same time it had developed and kind of dragged it down over the west coast so that was a very very rare event because it's such a late season cyclone and then for it to get dragged down and and develop you know and maintain or increase its its strength wind strength was pretty rare so that that would have been very stressful to be on that day, but also pretty exciting. Um, and cyclones in general. So I've been forecasting three years or so. I've only just started getting into cyclone forecasting. So I did a few shifts this 2019, 2020 season. So forecasting cyclones is, is pretty interesting because again, a lot of it's like what the models can do well with cyclones is, is the track. So they'll, they'll know where it's, you know where it's going to go but what they struggle with is uh intensity so how how strong is it going to be so and a lot of that intensity is was developed you know at the start of the century um and we're still using a lot of those techniques because the put the job that that person did was so good <laughs> um so there's there's general stuff like if it's if there's a cyclone in open waters the waters are m- more than you know, 26 and a half degrees. So they're warm waters. There's not much, the wind profile is pretty light. It'll develop at a standard rate. So you can say, look, it'll develop at this standard rate. You've also got the 
the computer guidance telling you how it thinks it's going to develop. Um, and you kind of use both of those to come up with something, but more often than not, the standard rate of development works pretty well. Um, you just have to keep, you just have to kind of take into account a couple of other factors, but, um, yeah, so that, that's really interesting. So you kind of assess the environment and, and whether you, you might say, oh, it's, it's the standard rate minus a little bit because there's a bit of wind shear or something like that. So you kind of use that to, yeah. Um, forecast. So yeah, forecasting a cyclone would be, I mean, I I guess I've done a few shifts, but that would be something I'd want to do as well. How do they come up with names for cyclones or hurricanes? Uh, So cyclones in Australia, um, there's a list, there's a long list that alternates male and female names. And basically we just go down that list. So I can tell you what the next one's going to be. Oh man, now you put me in the spot. Hang on, I'll I'll <laughs> pull up the web page. But but yeah, it, and then if something gets um, if there's like a very big impact or something like that, we'll retire the name so we won't use that again. Oh, so you recycle names after a while if they weren't like really horrible. Yeah, yeah. So because a lot of them will just be like way offshore and not do anything. So we'll use that one again, oh, okay. and then um. Uh, I guess the other thing uh, we'll consider is that if it happens to be like the name of a really prominent politician or celebrity or something, because the names, the, the list of names gets like done, like we've got the, the names for the next few years already ready to go. So, <laughs> so people can submit them and then, and then it will get put oh. on the list. So we've had some senior forecasters like submit their child's name, but you know, it won't it won't, it won't get used until, oh, so um, you know, years from now and stuff. But yeah, you can you can submit a name and then if it happens to be like the prime minister has got that same name, then we'll, we won't use that. But otherwise, yeah, we'll just go down the list pretty yeah, much. Okay. So. so I've pulled it up. I think it's Esther is the next one. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. If, I, if I'm not wrong and there wasn't already a Esther, but the next one, if there was already one, then the next one will be Ferdinand. So... Yeah. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Do people ever bet on forecasting? Um, what forecasters? No, yeah. no comment. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite equation? Oh, um, oh man, do I have to pick a favourite? <laughs> <laughs> Is it? You can just have it as your favorite today. Yeah, okay. It's supposed to be your all-time favorite. I'll go with uh, Euler's formula, uh, which is okay. e. So the exponential number, which is like two point seven one, and then a bunch of digits that go on forever. So that raised to the power of um, i, which is the imaginary number. Okay. <laughs> this is where like this is where people are like mathematicians don't know what the hell they're talking about. No, like this isn't. So real. so <laughs> i is um is known as the square root of negative one. So if you okay. it's a number which if you square it, you end up with negative one, which doesn't okay. doesn't really exist because any number you, when you square it ends up positive, but this is this ends up negative. But it's more like mathematicians are just like well let's just let's just say that there is one what can we do with it and it turns out you can do a lot of useful stuff with it 
So, um, so you end up using it, but it does like it does make sense um, in the right context with the right structures and stuff like that. Um, but explaining it like it's okay. the square root of negative one doesn't make much sense. But tr- trust me, it's it's all good. It's all everything's all okay. on on the up okay. and up. Um, so e so that exponential number and exponentials like used in, in tons of different stuff um, raised to the power of this i imaginary number times pi, which is uh, we all know what pi is. So that number plus one equals zero. Oh, so that's nice. you've got exponential, um, you've got the imaginary number, you've got pi and you've got zero and you've got one. So it's like, what more, what other numbers could you want? Those are all the, those are all the big, <laughs> the awesome big numbers used in different areas. So all of that in one formula is pretty cool. And what's it used for? Um, so it's actually abstracted. Um, you can abstract it and uh, instead of pi, you can say x. So e to okay. the e to the i x, and then the other side of the equation is cos x plus i sine x. Um, okay. So cos uh, cos and sine are used with um, circles and stuff like that, and rotations. So mm-hmm. um, basically, it's it's taking something which is two dimensional, where you've got to specify um, your sort of angle and your radius um and putting it into an imaginary putting it into imaginary land so (laughs) um you can almost treat it like if you just start using this imaginary number um it's quite useful in talking about two-dimensional stuff but you're using it um so with imaginary numbers you can add them you can multiply them you can do all the normal stuff you do in one dimension um but you're doing you're doing all, all this, you're doing a lot of stuff in two dimensions. Um, so that's why it's useful. Like I said, I said before, you've got this imaginary number and it's, you know, what the hell is it? Um, doesn't make any sense, but you know, we, we just like mathematicians thought it was, might be useful. And it turns out it is, that's what it's useful for is, is, uh, doing a lot of stuff you can, you do in two dimensions and just do it with these imaginary numbers instead of, um, doing everything in two dimensions. So. Wow, that's a very nerdy answer. Really like it. <laughs> yeah, it got right in. We got really deep into it. Yeah, <laughs> apologies. Going back to studying maths, what kind of misconceptions do you think there are of mathematicians like yourself or people who love maths? Uh, probably the biggest one is like they've got no social skills. <laughs> um. So yeah, that that um yeah, basically just nerds that are super into maths, um, which is like which is not uh, it's not untrue, but um, there there is a yeah, it, it's not always true as well. So yeah, yeah, mathematicians are people too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you see yourself working in forecasting forever? Uh, probably with the bureau long term. Um, yeah, it depends how forecasting goes, <laughs> what oh. happens to forecasting. Um, but I think there'll be stuff to do. Um, whether it's you know this, that decision supports explaining the forecast or um, general sort of projects, which is what I've been getting into recently. Which is um, you know how can we Im- improve this forecast um, or you know 
can we set up like a high resolution model or something like that? So that and, and the machine learning stuff, there's a lot of cool stuff to do, I think. So yeah, I'll, I'll be here for a while. Great. That's awesome. And to finish up with, I hope you have come prepared, but I am hoping for a weather or maths fun fact. I've got a we- I've got both. Um, oh, if you want. <laughs> um, so my math fun fact is yep. to do with infinity. So okay. turns out there's different sizes of, of infinity. What? How is that possible? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and this is probably another math, um, math conception, Mis- <laughs> misconception about mathematicians is like that what they're talking about just doesn't make any sense. And like this, this is, this does make sense. Um, you can, for, for some, to say something has the same size as something else. Um, there's a few kind of different things you can like there's a way of saying that which carries over to infinity basically so if you've got it say you've got a hotel and there's um there's a person each room has a person in it um Uh and each person has a room you Mm -hmm. say that there's the same number of rooms to people um so that's what it means to say two things have the same size so that's the definition we use in mathematics to say that two sets have the same size okay. and that carries over quite well to infinity as well. There's no, there's no problems at all in using that exact definition for talking about infinity. So, um, oh. the, you can have, uh, what's called like the lowest, <laughs> the smallest infinity. Okay. And then there's a really easy way of constructing like a bigger infinity from that. And you can prove that there's, that it's definitely bigger. Um, there's a now there's a question is there an infinity in between the two <laughs> and turns out it's impossible to write down a proof that to, to show that's true or not what? so now it's a philosophical question oh my gosh is is it is it is there one in between or not wow. like we can't write down a proof either way but it still might be true wow. so that's where that's like the only place where math gets into philosophy because you can't you can't really know whether it's true or not so it's it's almost like a what's your opinion wow type thing what's your opinion so, do you think there is or there isn't uh i don't know yeah good question <laughs> um i yeah that's a really good question Let's yeah that's it. it's a bit a big question yeah. um i i don't even know if i think that it's if you you know it if you can't write down a proof then it might just be unanswerable yeah. and and there's just it might not be true you can't really consider it true or false if you can't write down, write down a proof so that the 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 question's almost more like more do you consider it you know if you can't write down a proof can you even ask the question is it true or not wow. that's kind of more the question i guess and yeah i don't, don't know where i stand on that either so yeah, yeah. oh that's so cool. um yeah and then my weather fun fact is um rainbows look like halos from the sky oh that's awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> why is yeah that? it's pretty cool is that just because of the angle you're looking down i think it's so i think it's because the reason rainbows, um, the reason you get rainbows is you're, you're putting light through a droplet of 
water. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so light, different frequencies of light will get slowed down by different amounts um, yeah. by this water. And they'll, they'll, and f as a result of that, they'll um, change angles by a different amount. So you end up with a rainbow, which is the light. The reason the light comes out at all different colors is that it's those different colors have been coming out at different angles because yeah. they're getting slowed down by different amounts. Um, so I think that, um, so you have light going to the raindrop comes out at a different angle. And then I think that angle just keeps <laughs> going around until it's Aww. like made a circle. Um, but I don't actually know. I just got that. I, I just asked around if anyone had a cool weather fact and someone said that. So I don't actually know why it does that. Um, I was going to, I was, I was going to Google, um, Google it before, but I didn't have time. So <laughs> that's all right. It's fun. Nonetheless. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast, Jim. No worries at all. Thank you for listening to the Particle Podcast. You can find more of our content on all of the socials as well as at particle.scitech.org.au. Particle is powered by SciTech and everything we make is made in the wonderful science hub that is Western Australia.